This is Paul Robinson. You're listening to Starseed, an intrepid adventure with Mark Glenn Moore. Our third episode with Paul Hynek, son of J. Allen Hynek, who was put in charge of Project Blue Book by the U.S. Air Force. In this discussion, the question comes up, if you were offered a ride on a spaceship, would you take it? So Mark, before we get on with Paul Hynek, let's go back for our new listeners and recap your early experiences. First memories as a child go back to uh, one and a half years old. And I remember this, and this is why it starts my memory, um, because I was asked or told by my mother that I needed to learn to say grace at the Thanksgiving table at a year and a half. And I remember her prepping me every day. This was a big deal for her that her little boy was going to say grace to the entire, and there were two sides of the family, so it was one of those. Um, and, and this is why it's so vivid in my memory. And I did pull it off. I don't know how much language and English I was speaking at that time, but I did memorize grace and I pulled it off. And to the pleasure of my mother, who got all the accolades for raising a nice little uh, little boy who could, um, who could speak well at one and a half years old. So it wasn't that long after that, um, my brother Michael was born, as I mentioned in earlier podcasts, and now we're just going to summarize a little bit for the new listeners. Uh, my brother died of SIDS uh, when I was two and a half. He was between six and seven months old, and this was a really traumatic event for the entire family, and I remember it vividly. It, every moment of that is frozen in my mind because it was such a traumatic event, and so many people came to the house, um, and it and it really was the beginning of the end for my parents' relationship. They pretty much checked out uh, with each other, but even with me at that point. So as I talk about in an earlier episode, shortly after my brother passed, he came back to me in his spirit body. Uh, bright light came in, woke me up in the middle of the night. I'm in the top bunk of my bed, and he asks me for a favor. He says, I need you to do something, and he instructed me to get out of bed, and I'm just two and a half, and he tells me where to find a pad of paper and a pen, and he says, I have to write something to our parents to explain why I died, and I'm, I'm tripping out, for lack of a better word. I'm like, what is going on here? And his spirit was so bright, and it was so recognizable. There was no doubt that this was my brother, and he had left his physical body, and he came back in his spirit body, and this was like the start of a big adventure for me. So I got the pen, the pad, and I wrote out this, what turned out to be a poem uh, that addressed to my parents, you know, his, his feelings, why he passed and why he had to go. And I was asked to put it on my mom's side of the nightstand. And that really began a big adventure for me. Wow. So, Mark, what was your inspiration for this podcast? Okay, well, let's move forward. Um, I'm five now. And I was born in late August, and so school started early September. So I'm like a week into being five years old. And at that time, I was able to walk to school by myself, which was not unusual in 1967 to let little boys go off on their own, especially since my school was literally a block away. There was my house on a track neighborhood in Sunnyvale, California, 
and there was a park, and after the park was the school. So I was taught to walk during summer, back and forth, and then when school hit, I was on my own, and really, all I had to do was come back by dark, by dinner time. So that was 1967. Yeah, it's funny, that's how it was back then. They had a lot more, uh, they had a lot more faith in, in the people. It was a different time. So after school, most days I would linger in the park before going home. It was a great park. It had a skate, outdoor skating rink and a ball field and a snack bar. I mean, just it was really a nice, nice neighborhood park. And there was one day where a woman came up to me and introduced herself as Maya and would talk with me and, as I remember back, talk to me about subjects I was interested in as a five-year-old. Which I find interesting looking back. And she showed up on multiple occasions, maybe two or three or more, having conversations with me. And as I'm reflecting back, and my memory is pretty good because of, I believe, my brother's death. Things became hyper uh, aware for me. I just became aware of a lot of my surroundings. And I'm not sure, but I think maybe the interaction was telepathic from the beginning. I think this woman, Maya, immediately interacted with me telepathically, which would have really sparked my interest. I was a very curious five-year-old. And one day, she asked me, would you like to go on to the spaceship? Wow. And, and of course, <laughs> I say, well, what spaceship? And, you know, what are you talking about? And I believe she did her best to explain. And I had felt very comfortable with her not worried and and of course at five years old I didn't seem to be afraid of much at all and I said yes and that's when I was invited at five years old onto a Palladian spaceship and I met the space captain his name was Antar and I met a, a few other people and as fantastical as, as that sounds it 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 happened and it's all very vivid and that was just the first trip of many, over many, many, many years. And this podcast is a vehicle for me to express and tell my story, uh, but also to hear it back for myself. And when I was brought aboard the Palladian spaceship for the first time at five, there were other humans. And, and mind you, I'm full human. It's in my DNA and genetics. I've done it. I've done the 23andMe. I'm human. Uh, but there were other children and other adults, and we were all there for an education uh, that started for me at that age. And so I know those people are out there that experience that with me. And I hope through this podcast, one of the things I would like to achieve is to find those people. You were saying that you've you've chosen to uh, to to reveal this information, but weren't you also somewhat tasked with that? Were you not told, uh, were you told to, to share this with the world? 
the agreement was, and it was, it was asked, not told. Mm-hmm. It was asked that one day in my life I would share these experiences, and that I would either write about them or talk about them or somehow communicate them, which I haven't done until now. I haven't been very eager to talk about this uh, subject. Um, now I'm just comfortable with communicating and sharing my experiences and, and this information because I learned a lot and I think it's time. Yeah, and it, this is something you've come to. I mean, you've, you, you feel, yeah, that, it, that you've arrived at this because it's, it's finally time to let this information out, right? It's time. The, the bleeding agenda, and I can't speak for it entirely. I can only speak for it from what I know. These are highly spiritually advanced extraterrestrial beings. I believe we share some of the DNA with them. Um, I believe uh, us humans have been genetically enhanced. And I think this has been going on for longer than a long time. Right. And the Palladians, as they've explained to me, they're highly spiritually advanced, they're highly technologically advanced. They are here, a certain amount of the Palladians, not all of them, but there's a segment of, of Palladians that are here for Earth, for humanity, for humans to elevate their consciousness and ultimately, hopefully, join the Galactic Network or the Galactic Federation. This is their agenda for the Palladians that are working with Earth and humans is to help advance us and bring us into the greater Galactic Federation. So, Paul, we met because we're both musicians, and I'm working on my eighth full recorded album with a a number of our musician friends here in the community of Marin County. Uh, Paul, you're engineering it. Uh, You are... As I am, you are a producer, you're a songwriter, uh, singer, engineer at the very minimal. <laughs> but um, you're also, and had been a member in Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks. Yes, I was in Dan Hicks. Uh, uh, I started playing guitar years a long time ago, in the 60s. And I always knew I was going to play uh, music. Uh, I never thought about it professionally, and maybe I should have, but I always knew I was going to play. I was always a leaf in the wind to music, and um, I played with a bunch of people locally in San Francisco and on the mid- in the Midwest also, and about 1990, I met Dan Hicks. He called me over for an audition, which I thought went mediocrely to good, <laughs> and and to my surprise, he called me back a few months later and said, I've got some gigs, you want to go do it? And I did. And I was with him a total of like 25 years. And in the midst of that, I also did a couple of years touring with Al Stewart, uh, Year of the Cat, who's a a brilliant songwriter and lyricist. Oh, that's great. That was fun. That was cool. And uh, for Dan, I was Dan's scribe. I I penned all his stuff. Um, He was a good good writer and an incredible songsmith but he was also uh he he needed help when it came to writing charts and stuff like that and i do that so i i was the guy who wrote all his stuff out and um and i still play and dan passed in 
2016, and I kept the hot licks together. So if you look for the hot licks on YouTube, we're up there. So that's your band now. That is. That's, that, that's you inherited the, the hot licks. I did, uh, and I still have Daria. I have one of the original, not original, but I have one of the, the lickettes who was there when Dan Sweet. passed. Yeah, she's a very good singer. And I've got uh, Paula Bradman with me and uh, Dave Boyden and uh, Alex Baum from the uh, Dan's Acoustic Warriors. All great players. So you can see all this if you go to paulrobison.com. Yeah, right. There'll be links to all that. Yeah. Don't it seem like every little single thing, every little thing you bring is true. Meeting Paul Hynek. We met Paul at a UFO conference. Paul Robinson and I had never been to one. I, I've never been interested in trying to communicate my story until I'm ready now. I'm ready. And... I convinced Paul to, first of all, record me on this, and then secondly, come, I wasn't twisting his arm, but so we went to this conference and we listened to what they call experiencers, people that have had some level of experience with extraterrestrial beings, whether it's physical or telepathic or even spiritual. Right. There, there's, there's different levels to that, right? Uh, that's what I'm to understand. Okay. And then we saw Paul Hynek talk, and... It, Speak a little bit to Paul's background quickly. Yes, uh, and Paul Hynek, uh, we 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 were hearing him speak of his experiences and how he as a child, uh, as a as a child, right? Well, his dad is J. Allen Hynek, who was the fellow. He's an astronomer and was the heavy duty astronomer too, I believe, with uh, University University of Chicago and I think Harvard for a while, and he was considered a. Um, uh, what's the word for it, uh, Mark? A debunker? A debunker, yeah. And that's why the Air Force chose him, because they wanted somebody who would absolutely disavow the the uh, possibility of alien intervention and 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 participation. And, and UFO sightings. And sightings, yeah. So they hired him to be the head of their Project Blue Book, and um, he was for quite a while. And he slowly slowly changed his mind and and paul is the product of that and paul's a very interesting guy in that so he grew up with the likes of buzz aldrin and alan shepherd and neil degrasse tyson um so he he's he's had a lot of input from the different sides and to have his father who was you know pretty adamantly uh debunker turned into a skeptic which i guess isn't that somebody who believes it's possible right he saw too much information saying it was to the that other side. The evidence is too overwhelming to fully discount it. Yeah. Not that it proves anything. Yeah, right. That right. there's too much that's unexplained and can't be explained. So before we get on with Paul Hynek, one of the things that came up in the discussion is proof. How do we have proof about these events that many, many people are having and, and reporting and... Paul expressed that the scientific community wants answers that they can then look at and analyze through through that process. Uh, so he's in the world of the astrophysicists, the scientists, while he's got the other foot with the um, experiencers. And I'm all about the proof because I just don't want to tell stories. I I want to show how these events and why they're so real, and, and why these experiences are happening more and more and more 
at this moment and where that's going. So uh, Paul Robinson offered this idea, and it was in the discussion about telepathy. I'm telepathic with these beings, and can we pose five questions that might satisfy Paul Hynek's folks on the astrophysicist scientist side? Questions that can't be answered through Google or any known information. And I'm fine with projecting that. I can't guarantee. And I, I told Paul I can't guarantee that this will be a successful experiment or whether information comes back timely or at all. But I'm definitely willing to make a go of that. Right. And I think the information can't be searched by Google, but it's got to be something that actually his his upper-ups, his, his science people do know the answers to, but everyday street people will not know the answers to. So it's got to ride that fine line in between because we ha they have to be able to verify it somehow. Or might even just trigger something to the questions they have. Right. It might validate just their questions. Yes. Another nuance that I think it took a while for Mark and I to realize is that we can't just hit these people with proof. They, there's this whole community, as well as our civilization, has got to be kind of unfolded to this. It's got to be folded into us some, somewhat gently to assuage us into the, the okayness and the possibility of this interaction. Because if it just was a, it just came slamming down on us, it would be too much. And it would also, there's, we don't know everybody who's, who's in play here. And so there's, I think, maybe even possibly dangers to it. Another part of the discussion that's coming up with Paul Hynek is that I've been aware that I've had an implant in my upper right leg just above my knee for my whole life. And I've been able to feel it. But as the years go on, it becomes less um, obvious and, and prevalent. And I expressed about seven years ago, I, the light beings, I call them the light beings from the Pleiades, uh, came and put in a second implant into my left upper knee, which I can feel right now. Wow. And Paul Hynek made a, uh, offered an insight. Now, I've always, it may, these implants, which people do talk about, I definitely have them. I don't believe it's just to track where I am. I think it has to do with something else, maybe possibly monitoring my health or the biorhythms of my body. I don't know. Paul Hynek offered an idea that it may just translate, transmit, excuse me, transmit information back and forth on different levels. And I found that fascinating. I've thought about it since our discussion. And I, I can see that as a, a, a real possibility that I can use this as well as they can use this uh, to transmit information like we do now with our simple computer chips, where digital information is in a in a nanosecond around the world. So, anyways, um, let's get into the discussion with Paul Heinick. Beam me up, definitely. Paul Robinson asked me the same thing that you asked. He goes, "Can I get a ride on the ship?" Right. Oh yeah. And I I and I said I don't think it's out of the question, but you know it it would have. I mean, I haven't asked it. But let me know. 
but again, it's not like scheduling a, a, a Lyft or Uber driver. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, it, there's a lot of mystery around it. I'm I'm still trying to figure things out. Right. So, but asking the question is not a problem for me. Right. You know, I can ask the question. We'll, we'll you know, to ask, ask on. You know, <laughs> please. I was going to say Dan Hicks had a song. Dan uh, Dan's got a song called Hell I'd Go. And it's exactly yeah. about that. That's right? his name? His real name? No, that's the name of the song. Oh, the song. The Hell, song, I'd song. go if they came and got me. Hell, I'd go. Yeah. Right. Hell, I'd go. Right. I mean, and look, I, I would drop whatever else I'm doing. Sure. Yeah. Lean me up. Definitely. I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah. And they're talking about technology, like, you know, like Star Trek. If they can beam you up, then you could be anywhere. You don't have to catch a ticket or anything. I'll just... Uh, Demolecularize your your uh, system, and hopefully they've got a good uh, blueprint to put you back yeah, together well, in one thing. But that, <laughs> see, that all by itself is a big subject. That that's it's a big subject. How is that possible? <laughs> if you can imagine it, at least pretty much. If you can imagine it, it's possible. You know, because that's how everything that we call science now, ten, a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, was absolutely magic. You know, and yeah. that cell phone that what we're doing right now sitting in front of a screen and communicating. Okay. If we did this 200 years ago, we'd be burnt at the stake. Okay, I'd like to share one more experience because it, maybe it will relate to this, but one of the interactions I had, uh, it was just a few years ago in Bo uh, Boston, and I was meeting with the Trader Joe's Corporation. They were one of my customers. And I was in the hotel room, and in the middle of the night, two of the light people came right through the door, right through the locked wow. hotel door, woke me up, and they said, you, it's okay, you, we, you know us. And I said, okay, I calmed down. And they weren't in the space outfits. They, they were in white robes. But clearly pleading, the height, the face, the look, everything. And they said, we're doctors. I said, okay. And they put an implant into my upper left leg. And... I know this for two reasons, um, because when they left, I immediately woke up and, and was in a panic that somebody was in my room and I rushed to the door and I didn't remember right away what happened and went down to breakfast and put my hand on my knee and it was painful. So I went into the bathroom and I've got an incision and there is something very hard under that skin. It's still open. Well, I can feel it right now. And it's, it feels like a rock. And so I took pictures of it. So a few years later, I'm in for surgery, uh, outpatient surgery at Kaiser to take care of a cyst on my back. And the surgeon says, oh, wait, there's something in here. You know, I was numbed. It was going to be a 20-minute procedure. And she pulled out what looked like a rock. This was in your back, though. In in my back, and this was this was like uh, just over a year ago. This is like a year and a half ago. So so I I was having a problem. We I thought it was a cyst. Pulled it out. She held it in front of my face, and then it shot across the room. It it just shot across the room. It was witnessed by the nurse, the doctor, and hit the floor. And the doctor picked it up and said immediately, "Nurse, there's been no foreign objects in this room. Right? We've cleaned this room." Get, they got the tape recorder on, <laughs> and it was apparently a big deal to them. And she asked me 
if I wanted to keep this or if they can dispose of it and I didn't want anything to do with it. I said, just dispose it. And the minute I left and I walked out the door, I go, what did I do? <laughs> I just, I did, and that was before I thought about doing the podcast, right? Because we've been talking about evidence. Well, so I, I have the record I'm going to get. So but there's still something hard in your leg though. Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. Well, I have two, this one, yeah, but I, I'm not sure the one in the back was from the benevolent people. Oh, really? Yeah, my, my body rejected it, and my gut feeling was I didn't want to be anywhere around it. Oh, interesting. So, um, well, we should check out the one in your leg. Um, <laughs> let's, let's do that. Well, I keep asking Kaiser to x-ray these things, and they're not really keen on it. Um it's kind of a tricky thing when when these events interact with medical record and, and yeah, that's, right. that's right. what i'm experiencing but i'm telling you how people can walk through doors i can't do it just do you feel like do you feel <laughs> i'm like, not capable of walking through a door do you feel like they're you're being uh, blocked you know it's not like an intervention when you go to research these things or even when you think about it does it does something push these things out of your mind or the idea of getting an x-ray on that on your leg I mean, when you go to no, 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 no. I think the medical community is, is actually more aware of this than they want us to know. Yeah, I. So you think that they might not know of multiple cases of this already? Oh yeah, I, I do. Okay. That's my belief. I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody else to have that removed, but I saw it. I saw it bounce around the room. I mean, it's my experience. I can only talk about what I've experienced and how I interpret it. That's all I have to work with. But um, since. Paul and I have been talking, Paul Robinson and I have been talking about this. I Now I want evidence. And so I'm asking, you know, I'm asking, can I bring a camera with me next time? Right. Because when I was a kid, I didn't have a notepad. I didn't take notes. You know, I mean, I, and, 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 you know, I'm telling my story, but I was always given this like protein pill when I would enter the ship that gave me nourishment and it kind of made my mind aware but never did I get to take one home with me. And, and that kind of bothers me. I, you know, that's, I, no, I think about that. Why? You know, because you, you mentioned evidence and I, and I think that that's what everybody's looking for. What, where is the, uh, how does it, how do you ground these experiences rather than just people telling stories? Uh, have you seen any, uh, Paul, have you seen any, any evidence of implants? No, but I just, I recall this incident from my childhood where I had an accident with a piece of glass in my knee. And then several years later, another incident with glass, the same exact spot. And I found a little object and I took it out thinking it was a piece of glass from the prior incident. But I don't remember the prior incident. And, huh. and so now it's just, that, that's it. There's not, I don't have witnesses. It, it's just a little bit funny to me as I look back at it. Right. But that's a, that's kind of a sign. Could it be that you were uh, somehow, you know, uh, assimilated and then forgotten or made to forget? Who knows? I, I, I don't know. It's just, and I'm, I'm just trying to feel now, but I don't have anything there now. So my understanding about why this implant, it's very small rock-like thing it was put in there is not necessarily to track me. 
it has more to do with monitoring my health. And I, I, I don't understand that. I have no comprehension of that technology or, or what part of my health that is a concern. Yeah. 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 I mean, they know where I am. I, it's not like they can't find me. That's not the case. You know, <laughs> I'm a terrestrial being. I'm 100% human, you know? <laughs> so, right. But I, mean, I, I can understand that some onboard sensor would relay data to them, you know? whatever markers it's picking up well it, it's possible because we, we have the computer chips that do that now and micro what oh my god i mean our technology is really moving yeah so again ev everything that i've experienced only brings up more questions for me because i i, I want to know things i don't want to believe in things i want to know them you know uh -huh. i just that's not how i how i'm wired and and so I, I just have more and more questions and I, I want to meet more and more people with experiences um, as you've been able to do. Right. Well, it's kind of my agenda. Well, I think you two are on a course. So I think Paul should come up with those questions and you should try to field them. I'd be perfectly comfortable with um, projecting them telepathically. I can't, I don't know what the outcome would be, what the answers would be when they would come, but I, I'd be perfectly comfortable with the process. That's not cool. a problem. What do, you, what do you think of that, Paul? Are you game? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. That could be major, could be a good thing. I mean, it feels, you can tell the state of the universe, the world right now, we're getting close to something. You know, things are much too strange, much too surreal. Uh, it's not like this in a normal, you know, even in, even the 60s and and Nixon, I mean, it just wasn't this crazy. Like no. some, something, something approaches. <laughs> you know, you can sense it. You can feel that a shakeup is coming, and and hopefully, it's something really positive, like benef beneficent aliens. You know, you know, I've got my fingers crossed that it's that. There, there's a big yeah. agenda for this Earth um, human experience to succeed. It is very important that it succeeds. That's this is what I hear. And we all don't understand why and how it's so important, but apparently it is. It's because the dog, well, the dogs control things, and who's got, who's going <laughs> to who's going to feed them? <laughs> oh, no, not getting back to that. No, I'm kidding. I kid. Right. Oh boy. But it's possible. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, bring on the beneficent aliens, please, you know, and get us a trip, you know, we want to go. Yeah. Hey, any questions? Maybe for the offer deal is better than Musk, you know. Yeah, we, we did a lot of talking, too. Is there anything else you wanted to put into it? Uh, congratulations of being brought into a family that was destined for this voyage. Uh, did, <laughs> did, do you feel that like your dad was ever, uh, was ever, um, communicated with or or, or uh, did anything ever reach out to your dad and that he knew so much about it and that he was so important on that front? Not that I know of. You know, you mentioned about, Paul, about how these are strange times. You know, I work with artificial intelligence as well, and people are scared about the prospect of an artificial intelligence singularity where computers would take over. I am far less concerned about the potential future of artificial intelligence than I am about the present of human stupidity. Yeah, it's really. And 
It's and I look at aliens in the same way that if there are aliens coming here, if there are aliens watching over us, at, like to the point we made before, they're clearly not all evil. So I welcome their participation because we're not doing a very good job of stewarding, you know, nurturing Gaia now, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. So right. if it's if it's AI seeded or not with some in, you know alien emergent properties or and or aliens, I say welcome. The door's open. Hi, this is Sandy with Olanapua here in Maui, Hawaii. I own an ocean view penthouse studio condo here at the beautiful Kanapali Shores Resort in West Maui. This oceanfront property has two pools, a restaurant, a full bar, a day spa, and on-site activity planners who will book your day trips all over the island. In addition to walking distance food shops, the resort is located just a 15-minute drive to the town of Lahaina, where you will find plenty of restaurants, shops, and live music. To check room rates and availability for your Hawaiian getaway at Aston Kanapali Shores, Unit 936, go to www.vrbo/124255. Again, that's www.vrbo slash 124-2558. Hope to see you there. Aloha. I concur. I mean, there's a movie. Did you see the movie Idiocracy? Was that the name of it? It's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's too close. I mean, it's, we're so headed in that direction of just like, just lowest lowest common domin- denominator over and over again. It's like just tumbling down this hill much more quickly than you than anyone would believe. But, but uh, yeah, we need uh, we need help. But I think part of it is everybody's got to think up. I think that's part of the assignment too. Is that we have to all put love first. You know, it just sounds very hippie like, but you got to think up. And all, for all the people out there doing hating, you got to send them love and you gotta you know the meek will inherit the earth hopefully and and uh, do we really want to inherit it yeah we do we want to save it it's our job we're we're actually i think i think we're stewards of it i think we're supposed to take care of it then also like be smarter and you know one of the things i'm very curious about your career policy or your study of economics and your entrepreneurship um and and all that stuff because that that's a lot of whole nother side of the brain activity so on, maybe on another time we can talk about that if we get the opportunity. Sure, happy to. Good. Well, the first thing is get that question together and let's let's continue down that road. That'd be really cool. I, I accept my homework assignment with glee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's been so great. Thanks for uh, being open and uh, for this conversation on this subject matter. Um, which I'm just trying to learn to be comfortable with. So this is helpful for me. Right. You actually, do you live in Pasadena? Uh, I live in Calabasas. Oh, nice. Very nice. Well, next time we play down there, we played in Torrance not too long ago, but I'll let you know when the hot lakes are headed your direction. You'll have to, I'll have to weasel you out to the gig. Yeah, awesome. I'd love that. Good. I'd like it too. Well, good. So we've got a really good uh, 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 stream going here. So... 
let's continue down this tech. Rock right. and roll. Thanks, Rock guys. Roll. Okay. Cool. All right. All good. All right. Bye, Thanks, guys. Paul. All right. See you. Sure. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more of an intrepid adventure, go to markglenmore.com. See you soon.